With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to WCW Retro again on Thursday nights. Um, yes, we are starting on our new time at 8 o'clock. We'll run from 8 to about 10 o'clock p.m., 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. every Thursday now. Um, so a new start time for us, and it's exciting. So hope everybody had a um, great Thanksgiving and um, got to enjoy their family over the, the holiday which seems to be turned into more like a big weekend um, festivities and, and partying and, and eating and enjoying family. Um, I had a really good time um, over Thanksgiving. Um, we'll get, and tonight we'll, we'll get into Survivor Series a little bit, War Games. Um, but I'd like to maybe do something a little different um, in a little bit, you know, after we kind of bring everybody on. And that's to kind of do a – WCW um, spin on Around the Horn. I have a, a series of questions here that we'll kind of ask our panel of callers. And if you want to join in and be part of the panel, the number is 914-338-1885. And uh, we'll just give you, you know, a minute or two to kind of give your answer, and we'll kind of move right along to the next um, the next question um, until we run out of questions. Um, we'll talk a little bit about um, – CM Punk's return, um, what your overall feelings were for Survivor Series. Um, but just continue to pray for um, Stro Maestro as he continues to recover. Um, um, we are just kind of piloting the ship until he gets back. Um, and again, my name is Howard Morgan. I am your interim uh, podcast host tonight, and I don't do this alone. Um, I do have my co-host, on tonight, who is a man who's, uh, how can I say this, probably tougher than, and, and, and I mean no disrespect, tougher than I gave him credit for, um, and I think a man that is so tough that sharks have a week dedicated just to him, and I believe he's one of the most interesting men in the world, and that would be the one, the only Chaz Murray. Chaz, how you doing tonight, brother? Well, Howard, thank you for that marvelous introduction. I really appreciate it. I'm doing just fine. You know, it's a 
another day in a life, just continuing to, to move forward and uh, and get back to being normal again. Great, and and your recovery is going good. You know, doing all your all your stretching and exercising you're supposed to. Yep, better than what the the doctors have expected. So I mean, things are going according to plan. Um, we're going to get the bionic fitting in the middle of January, and by uh, by springtime, well, maybe February springtime, I'll be back as if nothing ever happened. Oh, very nice, very nice. And I got to credit my oh, wife yeah. because she's not babying me at all. No. Oh, I like bringing it up. Shut up. Queen of the run-ins. She's mad at me, but that's okay. When when is she mad at you? So you know we're we're used to that. Oh, exactly right. But, but that's good. I'm, you know, and I'm glad that she's you know, been by your side, and we've been praying for the both of you. Um, I appreciate you know, you it. Continue to recover, um, and you know we'll um, and we'll get into um, Survivor Series, kind of what everybody thought of it, um, and we'll talk about the elephant in the room being CM Punk, and then maybe we'll get into um, I have a series of questions. That you know, it doesn't need to be long, drawn out explanation. Just a, you know, maybe a quick answer and a comment or two, and we'll kind of keep this moving along. See how it goes. See how the see how it flows, and um, you know, we'll take it from there. Um, but we're also going yeah. to bring on the one, the only um, Rat Boy. Rat Boy, what's going on, buddy? Oh boy, what a week I had! Boy, oh, they got the North Pole went down all the way down to Florida. Got melted out. Now I'm back up here in Jersey. Whoa, what happened? Nice. Well, nice. So what was the weather like in Florida? Huh? Well, part, yeah, I was part. down in I, I was down in Tampa, Florida. I was I was right there at the building, man, where where the battle water was going to be at. Ooh, in San Petersburg, baby. Yeah, I will be there. So how's the weather down there, Chris? The weather was, I just went down there for a day or so, you know, just to catch up on my cousins and all. I haven't seen since since uh, April. You know, I had to go down there to see them real quick. Nice. You know, I flew down there for a couple of hours and flew back, you know. That, that sounds like me on, on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I flew it. I flew in right after the show ended. I flew in that early morning, got home. Boom, you know, I had I had a good time. So you, you're living that Ric Flair lifestyle, huh, Chris? Just jet-setting. Yep. And plus, you ready for this? Sure. Next week, right here on this show, I'm talking to him now on Facebook. He would like to join our show. I'm not saying who it is yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. He is, he is a wrestler. Okay. And I was his number one fan at the time. And I'm still his number one fan. He will be with me this Sunday if it doesn't rain down Columbus Farmers Market. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I, I can't say his name yet because it's, not, it's still up for grabs. He might, just do, he might just call me on Tuesday. 
You never know. Okay. No, listen, we'd be, we'd be, we'd be happy to have them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was actually yeah. in Tampa two, uh, this past Tuesday. I flew in Monday night from Nashville. And then I, I was actually, I landed at 7.30 at night Monday. And I was back on a plane 12.40 in the afternoon to fly back home. So I was in Tampa for a very, very quick trip. Well, I just, I just got home. I just got home from uh, early early this morning. I got home. Nice. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, uh, I'm living the, the rich and famous lifestyle of the Rick Flair wanted to be here. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's get into it, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's 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 before we uh jump into the questions, let's talk about um. Survivor Series, and and Chad, we'll start with you. Did, did you have an opportunity to see Survivor Series? I uh, know yeah. I did not. I, I read the headline. Oh, Chaz, you missed one of the greatest shows ever. Oh, you got on demand for Brett. I mean, you got you know, I got Peacock. I can always go back and watch it. You don't half the time. You don't need to watch the pay per views because you got every uh, amateur analyst them. In the world on Facebook, yapping about it. That, that, and that's, yeah, that's yeah, how I watched it. I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next day, but I felt like I was watching it live because every time you got on Facebook or Instagram, there was an update on what was going on. Oh, so, yeah, really? you, you really didn't have to to watch it. <laughs> but so, so Rappel, you you watched it, right? You you tuned in. Yeah, and watched I watched it. it. I watched it live because I don't want nobody to ruin my chance of ruin. Who is going to show up? So, so minus the very end of the show, the overall grade of Survivor Series, what would you give it? Uh, put it this way. I like the whole thing. I like the way they set it up. I, 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 I'm going to give it a, a nine. A nine? A nine. Wow. That's probably because, more, more because higher than I was going to give it. What it is that... Orton came back, all of a sudden CM Punk came back, and all of a sudden, look who else? Our truth came back. Yeah, I just, I, I think that overall, I don't think it was a, a great show. I think they, they could have done better. Um, probably about a six and a half, I'll give it. Um, again, there was only five matches on the whole show. Um, you know, we knew Randy Orton was coming back, you know, ahead right. of time, which I think was good. It, it, it built a little bit of the anticipation. Um, you know, I guess the the surprise, maybe to some not surprised to others, is the return of, you know, CM Punk. And, Chas, you're, you're from the Chicago area. I'll, I'll, I'll start with you. Is CM Punk being back in the WWE a good or bad thing? You know, it, it, it depends. I mean, there, there's my gut feeling was that they were trying to cash in on the fact that the show was in Chicago, um, trying to stick one to Tony Khan, and uh, and basically giving the you know the uh, the WWE fanboys the same fanboys that uh, that tout AEW to high heaven, but they're you know it's you got two different camps, same kind of people. 
I mean, if that's what they were looking to accomplish, they accomplished all three of those goals. Um, from what I saw from the clip with Rollins, the boys don't look like they were too happy. I don't know why. I don't know if they've ever explained why McIntyre stormed out of the show uh, or stormed out of the locker room. But, you know, here, being from Chicago, CM Punk, Bill Brooks, whatever you want to call him, has always been a polarizing character. He's a moron. Uh, according to my my wife's not a big fan, but, you know. Like I said, I think he's garbage and he shouldn't be around. So, I mean, again, there's two schools of thought. I mean, I took it with a grain of salt. I mean, did they give you, did they attract any more viewers? And then, like most people, I told the same thing. Yeah. I mean, did they attract any more viewers for the pay-per-view? No, because it was at the end of the show. So they weren't, right. they weren't doing it to attract viewership for the show itself. But uh, from what I understand, Raw had a hell of a uh, showing in terms of the ratings. And, I mean, ratings equal advertising equals money. So, I mean, right. you know. It was what it was. Right. All right, Rockwell, what's your opinion on CM Punk being back, good or bad? Well, I'm going to say it is a good thing that he brought him back. Because look how many followers might be showing up there now. Okay. We got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cody Rose's friend, uh, QT uh, Miller, wherever his name is, he might be showing up QT. there now. QT yeah. Marshall. Yep, he oh, might be man. showing up there. And I even heard a rumor that no other than Jungle Boy, okay, might be showing up there soon. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, it, you know what? Uh, and one more person, no other than his wife, AJ Lee, might be showing up there at the Royal Rumble because her contract is up at the end of this year. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'm dead or retired. <laughs> I, I think I think I'm with Chaz on this one. I don't know how much of a needle mover he will be outside of. You know, if this would have happened outside the Chicago area, but I guess being this his hometown, um, you know, of course, you know, the, the pop that he got was huge. I, I just, and I don't know exactly where the problem with him and WWE lies, whether it was either Vince McMahon or Triple H or whatever. I mean, and if it's with Vince McMahon, maybe it'll, it'll be a little different under Triple H. Maybe he'll, he'll be both a little differently. Um, I just I just don't see him being around very long. Um, and like, like Chaz was saying, the, the boys didn't seem very happy, whether that's a, a shooter or a worker. You know, who knows? Maybe a little bit of both. Um, but I I don't know. I, I I'm going in this with you know kind of I'll get used to him, accustomed to seeing him just month to month and. I, I think I said on Tuesday that if if he was around in eight months, you know I, you know I, I would be surprised. But again, that's just my opinion. Um, I just think he he's still Sam Punk. He's still going to put you know fans in the stands, and you know like like Bill Watts used to say, man, it's it's about putting a, putting an ass every eighteen inches, and 
you know, fortunately, that's what CM Punk does. He will sell tickets, and, you know, they will continue to, to have him as long as he continues to sell tickets. You know, one thing I found interesting is that there were uh, rumors coming out now that there was a, a, a committee of wrestlers at AEW that wanted him fired and that uh, Danielson was the head of that committee. I mean, honestly, how indie could you get? Oh, we don't want him here, so we're you know we're gonna pressure the promoter to get him out. Get over yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard so it was like, okay. Here, um, let's we'll do our first around the horn. My opinion of AEW: you got a bunch of guys hanging on for last payday, and the rest of them are so freaking overrated. With the exception of MJF, who's the goods, the rest are so freaking overrated that they've got their head up their own asses. Yeah, and, and, yeah, I, and I'm trying to watch. I'm trying to watch AEW. I watched a little bit of it last night, and I I, I caught a, the tail end of the segment with MJF and Samoa Joe. I watched a little bit of the Christian and Edge segment, and I just the fans there were just not. They were just very monotone. There was no reaction. It, there was. Hardly any movement. Nobody was cheering or booing. Or the, ones that are re- the ones that are reacting online, Howard, are not the ones that are buying tickets to this show. Those are the ones right. that are in their mama's basement, on the Internet, acting like, they're, like they've actually got a life. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I and put it this way. Put it this way. There was probably like a lot of viewers last night because last night they had a New York – Pre-lighting and Sarah and and Darlene Love done the last number. Oh, sixty I, years ago. Come on, everybody been watching that. You know, there was a lot of people there in in the AEW arena. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad. It, it it really is. I I don't know what they could do to to make it make it different, but I just, I couldn't get into it. There was nothing there that kept me. When it went to commercial, I changed the channel, and I was watching something else. I'm like, oh, that's right, AEW's on. And I and I would go back to it, and, and I would be halfway through the next segment already. But I, I do agree. I think MJF is the only bright spot in that company. I've said it, you know, since since I've – I don't want to say since I've known him because I, I really don't know him other than being on TV. But from the first time I've seen him on TV, I'm like, this, this guy's got it. Whatever the it is – He's got it. He's very old school. He's very, um, you know, wants to protect the business, wants to do what's right, um, and, and and very much a throwback, you know, to the to the yesteryear of of pro wrestling. In so much that a couple of months ago, I think we might have talked about it briefly, um, when he was a heel. And I don't even know if he's a heel or a good guy in this in this segment. But when he when he was a heel, he was in an ele- in a lobby of a hotel waiting to get on an elevator and a fan asked him for his autograph and he denied signing the autograph because he'll just, he'll just don't sign autographs. And he told him, told the kid, don't, don't get on this elevator with me or you're going to get hurt. And you can see the people say, Oh, I pay your salary, just blah, blah, blah. And the doors closed. And I thought MJF gets it. He understood where he was, you know, who he was around and never, broke character the whole time he was being recorded. 
And I thought, yeah, this this kid gets it. This kid understands the business. Sure he does. But it, it, it brings me to my next, uh, I guess, discussion. And I, I only brought it up because I, I just realized that I hadn't seen much of her on TV. And so my question is, did WWE get less than they paid for with Jade Cargill? I'll start with you, Taz. The, the signing of Jade Cargill, did, did, they did WWE their money get less than they expected? They Sorry. wasted their money on her. Again, talk about overrated. Jesus Christ. She had a she had to play the race card and pressure Tony Khan into creating that TBS championship, which was nonsense to begin with. She got all over Twitter complaining that she wasn't a champion because of her color of her skin. No, she wasn't a champion because she's talentless. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. No, Triple H. I'll weigh in the mind. If his motivation is to stick it to Tony Khan, great, and he succeeded. But you spent money on what? She hasn't even been on TV in NXT yet. Useless. Jade Cargill. So, so, what's your opinion on Jade Cargill? Okay, what happened was that after uh, Shabari series went off, Press conference, okay? Triple H said, when she's ready to come, she will come come in and wrestle. Right now, she got some situations she has to take care of before she gets in that, back in that ring. That's what Triple H said. Right. Let me ask a stupid question then, guys. Let me ask a stupid question. I can see her... I, I, the woman that will win the bat, the the, uh, the battle royal, this coming the royal coming Rumble. up, the the royal rumble. Yep. Right. Well, I can well, see well, the Let me yeah, ask a stupid question. question then. Was yep. Triple H's motivation because she's a good wrestler, or was his motivation to stick it to Tony Khan? Stick it to Tony Khan. That's all it is. You're right. He was. He was. He, He's going to stick it to wanted to stick it to Tony Khan, and I, I and I believe as she's training to make her debut, they realize they didn't get what they thought they got. You know that they're that she needs far more development than they were willing to, I guess, invest at, at the time. But now they're they have her, and they got to do something with her. So now they have to invest and get her trained. I think they saw how she could move or how, how limited she was in her move set. And I think, yeah, they, they're like, wow, you know, we, you know, maybe, maybe we should have just left her, left her going past all my. You but, can't teach the factor. And she doesn't have no, it. No, you can't. She doesn't have it. No. 
CBS. He just doesn't have it. I just think that they they did not get their money because we could say, oh, well, you know, we're, when the time is right, you know, we'll bring her in. But you are a professional. This is your job. Look what they did with Brian Pillman already. Brian Pillman's already on TV. He didn't need much yeah. development. He didn't need much time to, to get ready because there's, he was ready. There's a there's a young kid that's in NXT, okay? He came out of Chicago. He was an NCAA champion when he was in uh, in Buffalo. Jerry Briscoe recruited him. It's real, and he's... Um, He's doing the uh, the the Italian tough guy gimmick. What the hell is his name? Tony. Um, what's his last name in the E? I know him by his real name, and I'm not going to say it. But uh, kid that was greener than goose shit that they put on TV right away, and he's developed into his character. But you get somebody like her who was supposed to be this long reigning champion. And they won't put her on. They won't even put her on developmental TV. Does enough right there. Oh my God! Enough. Right. It, it, yeah. No. And that that should send off some some red flags and say, hey, you know what? What happened here? <laughs> you know, really, what have we gotten into? And you know, I just, yeah, I just I think they didn't they didn't get their money's worth with 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 Jade Cargill, and, and I'm glad that you, Chaz, you brought up that, you know, her, the, the longest reigning champion, which kind of, kind of segues into my next question, is Roman Reigns a legitimate world champion? No. <laughs> well, you got Amy's opinion. <laughs> so, Rathboy, give, give me your opinion on Roman Reigns and his legitimacy as a world champion. How long do we have to see this guy be champion? Get rid of the belt. Come on. That's all I have to say. Just get rid of the belt. You're still popular. That's all. You know, that's all you have to do. Just be popular. Get Drop the belt. You still be popular. You know? Am I right or wrong? Okay. I, I, you know, I, 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 I understand, you know, how you're thinking. So where is he, like, is he a legitimate heavyweight champion is is my question, Rappoli. Is You know, with everybody that's held that title, you know, you know, is he a legitimate champion? For now, he is, yeah. I have to say he well, is. Yeah. Because, because he's got the title. I, I, I get it. Chaz, what's your right. thoughts you're on the You already right. oh. passed everybody, you know? Right. It's a new, right. Because, because it's a new era. Now the new era's coming up. You know, 2024. Get rid of the belt and and do it again. Right. Chaz, what's your opinion on the legitimacy of Roman Reigns? To be honest, I don't like the... I never liked the brand split. I never liked the idea of having a belt for each show. I mean, they're TV shows. They're not they're not separate promotions. So I was never a big fan of the brand split. That's number one. Uh, number two, if you're not going to be a fighting champion, if you're only going to defend your title once or twice a year, where does that bode for your legitimacy? 
I mean, does it mean that you're the, the current title holder? Great. Does it mean that you can win two matches a year? Fine. Does it make you – and, you know, what, what really makes me laugh is when they start counting days. I don't care how many days you've owned the title. If you're not defending that title night in and night out like Pedro Morales did, like Bruno did, like Backlund, superstar Billy Graham, Hogan even, if you're not get Stone Cold, Michaels, if you're not going to defend your title across the entire circuit for whatever reason, then, uh, you know, don't count days and tell me how legitimate you are because you're not. You're not. In a, you're not. In, you might be legitimate in terms of the modern era, but you sure as hell aren't legitimate or part of the pantheon of great champions because you're not doing what they did. Yeah, and and, that, and that's where I have my my hang up because growing up and watching wrestling for for as long as I have, I can remember guys having to, you know, surrender their title. Because they they couldn't defend it, you know, in that thirty day window, and I always thought I mean, it was part of the, the the unwritten rule, or maybe it's a written rule about you have to defend your title every, you know, a minimum of every thirty days. And you're right, he he's not out there night after night. I mean, he's not out, even out there every pay per view. I can't even remember the last pay per view where his title was on the line that you know. You know, and then you go back, you know, how, how, what's he, yeah, like, so what's he defended two, three times a year? So, yeah, all right, so you defended two, two to three times a year, and you're going on this incredible run. But I think it would be a, a more legitimate run if he's defending it at least every pay-per-view. If he defends it 12 times a year, at least he's got, he can say, well, you know, I, you know, I, I did it. But, yeah, he. I think they're doing the the World Wrestling Federation title a a the a disservice to guys like Pedro and Backlund and and Graham and even you know Hulk Hogan all, and like you said all the older guys before them that literally defended their title week after week you know sometimes several times a week um, you know night in and night out you know 290 300 days a year. You know they're out there defending the title, and or if they weren't, they were at least wrestling on a show in a non-title match. You know, I you know I think about Ric Flair in, in the old NWA. I, how many times did he wrestle George South on either Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling or you know any other show? You know that the NWA ran. You know Ric Flair was on on the show and being involved and you know it's like we, we should be putting Roman Reigns on the back of a milk carton because well, you know, I mean, here, nobody's let's, seen him let's, let's look at it this way it's no secret that he has leukemia is, is, right. is, is, is that a factor? Maybe but if it is a factor then you know what that you know in that regard then he needs to take a good serious look at himself and say hey can I do what's required of me in order to make this happen? But in our and again, this isn't part of wrestling. This is part of our society. Our society is such now where this sense of entitlement has gotten to be so out of hand 
that people just believe that, you know, rules and traditions and regulations uh, need to be changed because they can't handle the way it is. Uh, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and, and to steal a, a phrase that, for that, that I heard from Triple H, you know, is Roman Reigns really doing, you know, what's best for business? And, you know, I, I just don't think he is. And I think his legacy or, or, you know, even his legitimacy will always be kind of with that asterisk over it because of, you know, everything leading up to the streak that he's got, you know, going on that, you know, that he's, you know, I, I just, but I still know how you end it or, you know, how you get the title off him. And you're right. I think there should be one world champion, you know, you can have the, the secondary titles, the U S title and the intercontinental title on each brand, but then there should be one man and one woman's champion, you know, I mean, the tag team I, titles should be, you know, one, one tag team title and they can bounce back between shows. I mean, you know, Eric, let's put it this way. Back in the eighties, you had wrestling challenge, wrestling superstars before raw was even a thought. Mm-hmm. They didn't have multiple champions. You had, you had the world title, the intercontinental title, and tag titles, and the women's title. Okay. All right, granted, you buy up WCW. So what? That doesn't mean you need a U.S. title. Right. They killed the European championship long ago. So, again, if you're the WWE, offshoot of the WWF, offshoot of the WWWF, Where's your sense of tradition? Yeah, I, I, I think it's going by the wayside. Like you said, I, I think they're they're watering down the value of their own titles and they're tarnishing the history, you know, of those titles and really what they meant, you know, and, and again, to, the, to the men and women that held it. With that, and, and also going along with that, this modern idea of, and, and I blame the front offices for this, this idea of who we're going to, quote-unquote, put the title on is a bunch of nonsense. Okay, when when Bruno was champion, or Pedro, or Superstar, or Backlund, or anybody, you never knew who the new champion was going to be until they won it in the ring. Right. We've killed the whole idea of the suspension of disbelief. Now right, we're absolutely. To, now instead of trying to figure out who the better wrestler is, because the champion should be the, the very best out there, now we're trying to outguess the office. Stupid. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I got you. I get you. So, so keeping it a little bit old school, and not that he's that old school, but I did happen to catch a little bit of um, some of the comments that he had last night. Um, where does Sting rank rank among the all-time greats in pro wrestling? And, Raphael, I'll start with you. Where was Sting on your list of all-time greats? 
Oh, man. Sting? Sting. The icon. Sting. I know. I have to say, let me see. Is he in your top ten? Is he in your top five? A four. He's a four. He's a, a four. four for me. A four. So he made it into your top five. Yes. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Ch- Chaz, where do, you, where do you place them as an all-time great? Seven, not higher than ninth. Yeah, I, I, I had him. I had him in about eight. Definitely a, a, a top ten. I just, I, and I'm not, not discrediting anything you know, that he's done, you know, throughout his career. Um, but I just love the guy. He grew up watching him, um, you know, back when he was part of the Blade Runners. And, you know, then he then he jumped to, you know, Crockett. And, you know, as he said last night, you know, that um, was it the Night of Champions, I believe it was, you know, when he, when he beat Ric Flair for the title, that put him on the map. Was it that one or was it the 45-minute draw? I'm trying to remember which one they were talking about. But he, he complimented Ric Flair and putting him on the map. But, you know, as much as I love him, yeah, to me, I think he's he's, he's top ten. I got him in probably about seven or eight. Um, bunch of guys, you know, that are ahead of him. Um, but, you know, I, I think this, this modern-day fan um, – Especially now with, with him being in AEW, they're they're treating him like a god. And I'm saying maybe I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but I mean, he's been in the business 35 years, 34 years, or whatever. Um, but they are, you know, I don't think they understand, you know, who Sting is, and, and I don't think they go back far enough. But I mean, I like the guy. I'm going to miss him when he's when he's not there. Um, but you know, I. I just I don't know that he's you know higher than about eight. So, but they and they did announce his final match is going to be in um, Greensboro. Um, I forget what their what the pay per view is, but Ric Flair promised to be in his corner. They haven't announced his opponent yet, but Rathboy, who do you think Sting's last opponent should be? Darby. Darby Allen. Lancaster Twister Darby. Okay. And that's not, not who who I had, but um I mean it would probably take some convincing for for who I got to come out. But Chash, who who do you who do you think Sting should face in his last Match in Greensboro um, Coliseum. Honestly, I think you should face the Great Muda. That that was my guy. <laughs> my guy was that's who I was thinking the Great Muda. I thought what a what better. And I get it, you know they're they're both. I mean they're both up there. They're, they're both up there in age. I think the Muda's right around sixty sixty one. He's got to be up around there. Right, but I, you know, I, I just I loved watching the Sting and Muda, you know, in in all of their matches um, throughout the years, and I think that's something that 
you know, rarely gets talked about when we talk about, um, you know, rivalries. And I think, I think sometimes it gets, it gets overlooked um, in its importance in how, in how good they were on how good they work together. Um, but yeah, I, I think the great Muda should be, you know, Sting's um, last, uh, last opponent um, in Greensboro. I think it'd be a great way to go out. And I think tying Ric Flair into it, um, you know, it is a good thing. I don't, don't know how involved Ric Flair is going to be. Does he, does he pull a swerve? Does he turn on Sting in his last match? I, you know, I, I don't know. So we'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen until late. I forget what, what pay-per-view it was, but let me see if I can look it up real quick. I think it's late 2024 um, is when it's going to happen. Oh, no, I'm sorry. March 3rd, AEW Revolution 20. So in, in about four months. We got four months yeah, to wait I and probably it, I, another month or two to wait. And I think see. it should be Muda. Yeah, right, and see who his last opponent is. It'd be interesting to see if they can pull Muda out of retirement, which I would love to see. I'd love to see Muda one more time, you know, and and get a little bit Didn't you guys see him on uh, last year getting a Hall of Fame award? The great Muda? Yeah, no, but yeah, that's for saying he's retired now. But he's retired in February. Yeah. But I, I think he, you know, he could come out. Listen, <laughs> retirement's only a retirement, right? I mean, how many times did Terry Funk and Ric Flair and you know everybody else retire, um, and it, you know, and then come back? Um, but yeah, but I, that's, I think I'm, that's where I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for the stars. That's what I'm doing. I'm shooting for the stars. One more time. I'm coming out of retirement. Sorry, guys, guys. Nothing. It means nothing. Where last match? He took it after his last match. He wanted to do it again. He wanted to do it again. Yeah, and he's still talking about one more match. It's seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Still talking one I more mean, match. One more match or one more payday? Which is it? Right. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's one more payday. I think he needs one more payday. I don't think the, the last one was his tickets. All those people that bought tickets to his last match, right? And I use that in parentheses. Uh, <laughs> if he has another one, they all got screwed. Right. Right. And and, and honestly, I, I think in, in today's society, somebody might try to sue him and say, well, we paid for Rick, Rick Flair's last match. How come I got, you know, they're paying for it now and, and they're getting another one. I, yeah, I just don't think that that I think wrestlers honor the you know their their word, and I just I, I I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand why you have to announce you're retiring if you don't want to retire. Just go on vacation, take take a break, and come back. Don't you know? Don't say that you're retiring. Um, but you know, I mean, and, I'm the most timers I, just faded away. Okay. You just yeah, and that's right. You know, and, and and I do, you know, do I I do miss, say I do miss seeing guys like Stone Cold in the ring. I, you know, I miss the younger Ric Flair in the ring. You know, I certainly miss Dusty Rhodes in the ring. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see a a a seventy seven, seventy eight year old Ric Flair 
try to go even five minutes in the ring. It's not the Ric Flair I want to remember. I want to remember the Ric Flair coming off the Learjet, getting into the limousine with all the girls and wearing the Rolexes and the $5,000 suits and the $1,000 shoes. And that's the Ric Flair I want to remember. And, you too, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm happy with and, I, and I'm happy with that memory because that memory will, you know, will will stick with me, and it you know it'll yeah. it, it, it'll be how I remember it. I don't want to remember him Chris almost dying on, on the edge of the ring because he apparently passed out on his last match. That's that's not how I want to see him go out. But you know, I, I do hope that maybe they can get Muda and and Sting together one more time. And we can kind of bring a culmination to Sting's career, and and you know hopefully when he hangs it up, he hangs it up, and or, or maybe and that's the end of it. maybe that dream match that everybody wanted to see, okay, Sting versus the Undertaker because that never happened in a WWE. That that that's that's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I could almost I would almost spend everything I own that that wouldn't happen. Let's, let's take a look at Taker for a second. He got his Hall of Fame, never announced his retirement. He just did what you're supposed to do. He just walked away. He, yep. He apparently left, he left his shoes and, and his hat in the ring. Right, but now he's yeah. back as American badass, though. But he, he only made an appearance. He, yeah, he's not – I don't think he's going to come back full-time. I've listened to a couple interviews with him. Even though he's he's still in, you know, tremendous shape, his his body is a body of a wrestler that's been doing it 30-some years, and it's taken its toll on him. And if he, he, talk, he, he said – I can't remember who he was talking to, but he said if he couldn't give the match that he wants, which he, at, this, at this moment in time he can't, he's not coming back because he doesn't want to – undersell the fans on their experience. To me that, that right. that's a professional, knowing that I can't I can't give them the Undertaker, you know, from twenty years ago, the dead man that kept getting back up because I I honestly can't get back up. And that's not he doesn't want to tarnish his legacy, he doesn't want to leave that negative impact on his fans. He did it you're right guys, he did it the right way. He just quietly kind of stepped away. Mm-hmm. And, and left, and, and left, and honestly left us wanting more because we always want one more. We always want one more match with the Undertaker, one more match with Rick Flair. But that that one more is just a continuing cycle of wanting one more, wanting one more. So yeah, right. He just stepped aside and and rode off into the sunset. Another guy that's done that too. Another guy that's done that. All right, hold on, Rap Boy. Good night, guys problems with wrestling is and again this all goes to the um, the problems that Vince had with the athletic commissions and decommissioning wrestling and destroying any thought that it was a legitimate sport you don't see boxers boxing in their 70s no. why because people believe they're going to get hurt yeah, a wrestler wrestles in his seventies. People don't look at it anyway because they don't consider it as like we did. They don't consider it a sport. It's not presented right. that way. 
But how many right. seven-year-old ex-Japanese wrestlers are working for New Japan? They're not. Why? Because in Japan, it's still presented as a sport. Right. Yeah, still got you know, you know, shows, legitimacy there. God love him. And he's, he's, he was always very nice to me. And he was a hell of a champion and a hell of a wrestler in his day. But when they showed Dory Funk out in Japan in that tag match, it was hard to watch. Yeah. It's you know, very Fez hard to watch. When Fez went out there and wrestled Masachono, again, hard to watch. And it's Lou Fez. Yeah, no, you're, you know. yeah, you're right. And I, I remember watching um, Mid Atlantic um, Championship Wrestling. Um, Sam Houston, um, when he when he was you know coming up, um, and he was ta- he tagged very briefly. Uh, they might even have been in the Crockett Cup in '85 or '86 with Nelson Royal. And at that time in yeah. the mid '80s, '85, '86, I'm thinking this guy's old. Like, what is he doing? And I mean, he came up in a in a completely different generation where after. 15 or 20 years, you were old in the wrestling business. Like that, to have a 20 year career is a very and long time. 300 dates a year. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, and just retire and, you know, ha, you know ha, have, have a night where, you know, people can, can honor you and remember you and then move on. Move on to the next but phase what a of, Hall of, Fame of your life. To be? Yeah, true. True. I mean, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be that. Right. No, absolutely. And, and I just wish they would stick to, you know, the retire. You're retired. You're retired. You're, you know, and it just what it does is it opens up a spot for somebody else to kind of fill that spot, and if it means. Just for just throwing it out there that if, if the Undertaker retires and you know Seth Rollins moves up into that spot, that leaves that spot open where Seth Rollins was for somebody to fill, and then the guy that fills that is the spot below that. So it allows people to kind of move up within the promotion and and get opportunities and you know get get more television time and get more exposure. And you know I just think these guys uh, hang around. Now you've hit the nail right on the head. The problem is, and I'm going to go back to AEW on this one, you've got young guys that are so freaking overrated that aren't as talented as they're presented to be or think they are. They can't fill those spots. Right. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, they, they, there, will, there will always be that void, when, especially in AEW, when, when Stingley is who... It, I mean, you have you have Adam Copeland, Edge, and Christian there now, but for how long? You know, another two years. But yeah, you're right. I, I just think that they they don't have guys. I think that respect the business enough to carry the business into the future. You know, where WWE is a little bit a little bit more mature locker room. They always had a. Um, a leader there, whether it be the Undertaker or, you know, Andre before that. I, they, I've heard stories of, 
Andre, you know, if he didn't like you, he threw your shit out in the hallway. And that meant you just, you didn't come into the locker room. <laughs> and at that point, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to argue with Andre the Giant and try to get dressed in that locker room now? Not but many. you always had somebody, right, you had somebody always keeping the peace and, and being the, the guy, the, the captain in the locker room. And, you know, and I just found out just recently that, um, you know, how well-respected um, Kofi Kingston is in the locker room. He's a leader in that locker room. Like, you know, if he says something, that's – it was kind of like The Undertaker when he was there. The Undertaker said something, he controlled that locker room. And I just didn't realize that Kofi Kingston had that had that stroke behind him that he was – you know, he was in charge of the locker room, which I think speaks volumes to, you know, who Kofi really is, you know, as a leader and as a performer. Who I always liked, by the way. I always liked Kofi Kingston. I, there's just something about him that I I just like. But let's, let's that's one. That's on. one. That's one man I really like, Kobe Kingston, for some Kobe reason. Kobe Kingston. Yeah, I, I've I've always liked Kobe Kingston. Who had the the best entrance in pro wrestling, <clears throat> or who has? It could be past, present, or future. Right, boy. I'll start with you. The best entrance. The best entrance. I hate to say it to this, okay. Rome live Bray Wyatt entrances with the entrance. Bray Wyatt, but yeah, Bray Wyatt had a, yeah. a very good entrance. Kind of creepy, kind of mystique. Very, very good, very good um, entrance. Chaz, who do you yeah. got? Well, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you Amy's first. Okay. I was going to go to you and then to her, but we'll go to her first. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, better, best entrance, according to Amy, regardless of promotion, is uh, a wrestler from the West Coast named am, Funny Bone. I am Funny Bone. Funny Bone comes out of the House of a Thousand Corpses, which strobe lights oh. and whatnot. His entrance is killer. Look him up. He's, okay. the best, he's got the best entrance ever. Now, for me... I, I want to check that out. Yeah. For me, traditionally, the best entrance ever is still Ric Flair. Coming yeah. out, the way he presented himself, coming out to 2001 A Space Odyssey, it, it just it exuded class, elegance, and the fact that a champion should be on a on a level higher than anybody. Yeah, hmm. no, he, yeah, he. I I actually had two. One was Ric Flair because of the pageantry, because of the 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 mystique that he had about him. Like you said, the way he carried himself, the way he, just the way he walked to the ring. He walked arrogance to the ring, and you know, especially what you know when he was a heel, and you just. Him just walking to the ring incited you to just want to kill him. And he just had that presence about yeah. him. I, and I yeah. think right along there, just kind of right below him, if if Ric Flair's an A+, plus, then I think Randy Savage has to be like an A, you know, with, with his pomp and circumstance coming into sure. the ring and the way, the way he kind of presented himself in that – Ric Flair kind of, kind of attitude and 
and the way he, you know, he carried himself. And again, you're talking about another guy that that really respected the business, that you know, did everything he could to to protect the business. Um, you know, and you know, I I, I was listening to I think it was Arn Anderson. Um, he when he was talking about how Randy Savage prepares for a match. Him, he and he and Ricky Steamboat laid out their match at WrestleMania three, which is, to me is it's probably one of the best all time WrestleMania matches ever at a diner on napkins, and they went over almost every single because Randy was a perfectionist, and he, yeah, you know, and just the per, just his preparation. Um, they said that when when Randy would come to to the to the to the arena, or he would come to the soundstage, or wherever he was going, if he was shooting a promo that day, the second all of his ring gear was on, it was it was go time. You, you never had to tell him, hey, I, you know, I need you. Know, can you be ready in five minutes? So Randy was ready, you know, at, you know, almost almost on demand. He could just get into it and and go because he lived and breathed it. But I, you know, I, I always liked Ric Flair, and I always liked, you know, Randy Savage's um, entrances. Um, you know, they they oh, will go down to me. Going, going along with that, it. your entrance is over if you can light up the arena in the first four seconds, five seconds of your music hitting. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and there's very few. That, that do that, you know, more modern is, you know, Stone Cold's glass breaking. As soon as the glass broke, people knew what was coming. Um, yeah, was real yeah. And, and, and going back, you know, just a little bit, a little bit more old school, you know, um, as soon as Iron Maiden's music hit and the Road Warriors were coming out, that first note that you heard that that place erupted. You you knew what was coming. You heard all you had to do is listen to hear Ozzy say, "I am Iron Man," and it was. I am Iron Man. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. (laughs) Yeah, Iron Man. I got Iron Man and Iron Maiden confused. But yeah, that that's all you had to hear. That that was it. I mean, you know, let let me throw it around the horn out there. Go ahead. Road Warriors, overrated or underrated? You know, if you want to look at it strictly on talent. They were kind of overrated, but what put the what put the Road Warriors over was what you can't teach, which is the it factor, and, and the right. fact that they had a genius as their manager. Paul Ellering was the perfect manager for the Road Warriors, and and, and Paul Ellering was a true wrestling manager. He he booked all of their travel negotiated all of their contracts. He wasn't just an on-air personality manager. He was truly the manager of the Road Warriors and took them everywhere. I mean, he right. bought I think, them into Zubats. He yeah. bought the shares of Zubats. He bought the controlling interest in that small company for the Warriors. He set them up for a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the guy the guy was a genius, not not only a a wrestling genius, but a a bona fide genius, you know, as far as intellect goes. Um, I mean, yeah, but yeah, I think as far as 
If you look at you look at another guy that was a, a genius when it came to the business in terms of being a manager was was Gary Hart. I mean, Gary Hart yeah. was Fritz Bayerich Booker. You never knew it. Thank God. No. Because you know what? We shouldn't know. Again, I'm going to say it for the 15th time. We should not know what goes on behind the curtain. No, not at all. Opinion, it's not your business. Right. I don't want to know what's going on. I want to be surprised. And and, and we talked about that on, on other shows. That's what's missing, you know, and because because of the Internet, because of all of these, you know, wannabe bookers or wannabe, whatever you want to call them, that, you know, they – the information gets out, and then it's, you know, all over the Internet. I want to be surprised. We, you know, we shouldn't have heard anything about, you know, where CM Punk was going when they left the AEW because you, you really didn't. Like you said, Jeff, we were talking about this on our last show, that the only way you found out was in the wrestling magazines from month to month. You know, when it came out in, in, in October – you didn't get a new magazine until November. So there was a whole month of updates you were getting that you just didn't know. People could make a surprise, you know, entrance into another promotion because the information just wasn't out there. We we didn't have the access to the information that we have now. You still didn't know what went on behind the curtain. Right. Right. And, and like you said, we shouldn't. We shouldn't not know. What, what's going on behind the scenes? Not, not, not at all. You know, I, I don't, I don't agree with it. Yes, it, it's, it's destroying. You know, the business It's destroying. Like you said, that suspension of disbelief that we, that we want. That's why we, that's why we watch it. That's why we tune in every week. You know, and you know, I just, Amy's it, all it's being ruined. Go ahead, Amy. Tell. Biggest mistake I ever made was uh, after my first independent wrestling show, I got asked to work the photographer's table. And after that, knowing what I've learned and knowing what I've been around and what I've seen has destroyed wrestling for me. I wish I would have kept my butt in the seat and never had anything to do with working the table. It's still been a fan. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just want to be a fan. Yeah, I mean, cause, you know, Howard, here, I've been in the business now. This is my 14th year in the business. And the amount of nonsense, and here, the word I want to use is bullshit. Backstabbing. There you go. Seen, seen backstabbing, sabotage on purpose for little petty jealousies. I mean, whatever, dude. What? what there ain't, there isn't one, there, I shouldn't say one, but there are very few out there. Somebody in the business also kills it. There are very few out there that can, that can rival a Paul Bosch or a Sam Muchnick or a Vince Senior. I mean, the days of the businessman being a businessman are over and it sucks. No, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and it, it goes back to you know the you know the the advances in the internet and and the death of all of the territories. I I, I just wish that we could have kept all of the smaller territories the way they were, 
and go back to that time. Going back to that when time. When wrestling started to blow up. Yep. <laughs> yes, it did. So, so moving along, uh, best faction or stable in pro wrestling? Chaz, I'll start with you. Oh, boy. As far as the full faction is concerned, I'm going to go back to the early 80s. Georgia Championship Wrestling, the original Legion of Doom, unstoppable. They, okay. Yes. Yes, I, 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 I agree. That's not, who I, that's not who I have picked, but I, I, I can see that. I can see the original Legion of Doom being very unstoppable. Amy, who do you have? I don't have one. I think factions are stupid. <laughs> Rat boy, what's your favorite faction? Oh, boy, I knew you were going to ask this question. And I have to go with my favorite song, Osho, okay? The Fabulous Freebirds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, the Freebirds. And play this song, Freebird. I I I like me some 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 Michael P. S. Hayes and Terry Gordy, um, mm-hmm. but mine is you know the original again going back to the mid eighties you know my the original Four Horsemen. They, they you know I I hated them growing up, couldn't stand them, and I remember Arn Anderson talking about when he talked about the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and inadvertently naming that group the Four Horsemen out of a promo because he just he just blurted Amy's that out and, and the name stuck. Oh, yeah. Amy's got one. She said if she had to pick okay. a faction. To be forced into picking a faction, there's only one. I still think factions are stupid, but probably Heenan. <laughs> so the original Heenan family from the AWA. Oh, okay. Bockwinkle. Nice. Ray Stevens. The Blackjacks. That's where I first met. I didn't meet him, but where I was first introduced to uh, Bobby Heen. And, and it's funny, like, that's. It seems like it, it's flowing kind of in, in, in a direction to, like, listen with a couple of these subjects. So, you know. Favorite favorite manager, Rat Boy. Give me your favorite manager, Matt Robley. The one and only. Okay, I didn't like the guy, but he liked me. Okay, thank God. Put it this way, thank God that he that he called me over and tell him Bill Wagner told him to give him a call. No other than the Weasel himself. The Bobby's Brain Heenan. Bobby's Brain Heenan. Okay. Amy, who did right you have? Right before, before he passed away, too. I can't wait a month before he passed away. I, I, I was talking to him. Wow. My favorite manager? Your Matt Robles. Matt Robles, and then second would be David Spector. Amy's okay. going windy for this one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Chaz, other than yourself. <laughs> Who's your favorite manager? Gary Hart. <laughs> Gary Hart. 
Yeah, I, 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 I was, I was going to go with Bobby Heenan, but since Raffle, we already picked him. Um, you know, I, I think my my second favorite manager would probably have to be Jim Cornette, and, and only because I, you know, I, 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 I liked his character. I liked how they, you know, they. They framed that whole thing about him having his mommy's money, and you know, I just to me, you know, I, Bobby Heenan and Jim Cornette made made wrestling for me. It made my childhood and young adulthood um, very memorable. Um, you know, I don't even I don't even like him. I don't even like him because I met you, you know I like? met Cornette. I met him, and I yeah. don't like him. He said, he said, he said, man, you, you, you're too small. You look like a flea, like a little flea mosquito bite on my shoulder. Get get away from me. That's what he said. <laughs> Boom. That was back in the NWA, that was back in the NWA right here in Northern New Jersey when he told me this. But Chris, do you ever wow. think he was working? Huh? Did you ever think he was working you? You know, you know, Cornette is out of my picture. I like to get him in the ring and show this this little flea got it all. <laughs> but that's what that's what Chad was saying. You think that he was saying it, but he was just working it. He wanted to get a reaction from you because he's very good. Yeah, at that. I, I, I'm ready. You get Jim Cornette with, with me in the ring. I want to show him this flea could really bite. <laughs> oh my. Wow, we, we got got the nerves. You know what, Chad? Go back and tell, tell, tell Cornette, yeah, I don't care, you know? Tell him I'm ready for him. Anytime, anywhere, uh, any place. Dude, I'm ready. Right. hours you got that boy heated up. I, I, well, I think, Chad, next week we're going to talk two hours on Jim Cornette just to keep Rapoy's blood pressure off. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so. Get, get that so, guy, you know. Take, take a deep Cornette. breath. It's, you're right. Take, take a deep breath. The evil Cornette is gone. Center yourself. Take a couple ooh-ahs, ooh-sahs. And give me your favorite finisher, Rat Boy. Your favorite finisher. Oh. I have to say, okay, I always pin it in my brother. Every time when, when we, we hear you should fight, or I should get mad at him, I should feel me to... In a camel clutch. In a camel clutch? Yes, by the camel iron sheet. Okay. Well, yeah, there's only one person that can really pull off the camel clutch, and that would be the iron sheet. Okay. Amy, what's your yeah. favorite finisher? Scorpion Deathlock. Scorpion Deathlock. Chaz, what do you got? Oh, Probably races uh, Indian Deathlock. Okay. I am going with the a Jake Roberts DDT. I don't think anybody nice. delivered it better than, than Jake Roberts. Um and I just I, I just wish finishers would be just that, you know, a a finish. You know, and guys aren't aren't popping up, you know, from it. And I think yeah, Baron Corbin Let's blame, let's blame the train. And let's blame these guys that claim to be teaching the art of wrestling because they're not impressing it upon these kids that a finisher is just that. 
It's the finish. Right, it's the finish, yes. You know, and I think Baron Corbett said it on, on a on a podcast. He was asked if he could either win, you know, the a, a heavyweight title and go down as, you know, one of the best in the business, or would he rather have nobody kick out of his finisher? And he chose nobody kicking out of his finisher because, like you said, it is just that. That's what – that's my move. That's what I'm known for. And if a guy kicks out of that, then obviously I've given him everything that I've got. I've given him my best move, and there's no possible way I can beat him now because I've given him everything I've got. And if I, you know, right. if, he, if he kicks out of my finisher, it, it again, it it destroys that that curtain that oh, you know. And I'm going back to when you know guys like Chris Adams and, and Shawn Michaels would deliver a super kick, and and now super kick is just you know, part of guys' repertoires now. And the DDT is just another move. And, you know, guys are getting out of sleeper holds and, you know, they're they're getting out of, you know, the camel clutch and, and the scorpion death lock. It's That's not what they're intended for. They're intended to be like just... are doing uh, top rope, flippity-floppity, uh, four-and-a-half twist with a round-off bullshit press, and they're kicking out at one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense anymore. And 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 I really wish it did. I really wish, um, you know, that it would go back to making sense and and the matches being a little more fluid. I don't need to see all these high spots in the match because no human being can withstand all of that to begin with. I watched AEW match and, and um, I don't know who it was. I, I don't know if it was Swerve Strickland and whoever he was wrestling. I can't remember the guy he was wrestling. But the guy he was wrestling was on his knees outside the ring and Swerve Strickland came off and jumped two feet onto this guy's back and literally looked like he broke him in half. And the, mm-hmm. the guy rolled over on his on, rolled over onto his back, grabbed his back, and then Pop right back up and got in the ring again. I'm like, he, you, you should, you should have been laying out there for, you know, a, a good thirty seconds. Let, let, let the ref work that ten count. Let, let Swerve pick you up and, and drag you back into the ring because he literally just broke your back. Right. And, and there was nothing. And, and I was listening to, um, uh, when I was flying from Nashville to Tampa, I was listening to. Um, Stone Cold's podcast, he had Bret Hart on, and I forget where they said they were, but they were they were wrestling somewhere, and they they both took a a, a, a pretty big bump, and and Stone Cold's laying in the corner, and he said he, he he got up in about ten or twelve seconds, and he's like as he watched that that match back, he's so critical of himself, he's like you know, and he told Bret, he's like you know I. I was listening to the crowd. He's like, and we had the crowd in the palm of our hands. He's like, I could have stayed down for 30 seconds and gotten just that much more out of the crowd, drawn the crowd in just a little bit closer. And he's like, I felt like I rushed it getting up in at about 10 seconds. And he's like, if I could go back and change anything, it would be, and he hit the nail on the head. 
don't rush to get to a spot. You're telling a story. Tell the story and then let let the spots develop. And then, you know, because we, we as fans need to be invested. We need to be drawn in. And if there's nothing drawn in, I'm either not watching, I'm going to do something else around the house, or I'm going to change the channel. And that's where I was with AEW yesterday. I just I couldn't get involved. And as much as I liked MJF, I just couldn't, you know, really get drawn into it after – you know, he was off, you know, he was off and I, I really wasn't that interested in whatever's going on with this guy behind the devil mask or, or whatever it is. There's just too much of that. There's no need for it. You could tell a story without having a mystery man pulling the strings and 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 so you should let two guys tell a story and and let just let it be that. But like you said, Chaz, they're just so in so much inexperience there. They don't have enough storytellers to divide up amongst the kids that can't tell stories to work with. So you got to get the guys that can work with together, and that's it. Now we're created by guys who couldn't make it in the industry or are done. Yeah, I mean, and again, let's let's refer to our terminology that we use now, telling stories. In the 70s and 80s, they would look at you like you were from outer space. The hell are you talking right. about stories? They're having a match. Right, right having a match, yes. a match. Now you got to tell a story. Why don't we just stop? Again, if this is what wrestling is going to evolve into, I don't want to be a part of it. Because it's bullshit. Right. Yeah, I just, see, I just want, I, I want, I want my, you know, and I said it on Tuesday or maybe last week, you know, that old, I want my MTV. I just want my wrestling back. My my Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, my Mid-South Wrestling, my early WWF Wrestling back. That's all I want. <laughs> it's just, just what I want. Well, yeah, they don't have Santa Claus for that for Christmas. We've got to stop using these so-called modern terms. Telling stories doesn't exist. Who are we going to put the belt on? Doesn't exist. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I want I want that veil put back up. Okay. I want that veil back up, and Probably. I don't want to know who's behind Bobby it. I don't know what is going on. I want it to happen. Bobby Heenan said this, as well as Cornette, as well as everybody that knows anything about the business. You can't put the shit back in the horse. No, you can't. <laughs> No, you sure can't. We've we've shown people how the magic works. No one's going to believe. Yes. No. No, and, and no it, it really it really has been ruined. Because we've shown people. David Copperfield never showed you how he made the elephant disappear. Nope. David nope. You have some cuts on, on on the internet that that destroyed it. Like why? David why can't I just have it? That just pushed <laughs> himself to the limits. There's no magic there. No. Okay. Houdini never told you he got out of the straitjacket because he could dislocate his own shoulder and not hurt himself right. doing it. Right. But professional wrestling, and this is a problem that Vince McMahon Jr. caused. 
professional wrestling exposed itself because he didn't want to pay the athletic commissions what they deserved. Right. Mm. Yes, and I've heard I've heard that on several occasions from several different people. I mean, okay, that's fine. You want it's it's not the same way. I try to watch a pay per view or a show or you know what I'm seeing out there now, like I did back in the '80s as a fan before I got in the business. It's damn near impossible. Because they're not presenting it that way. Right. And it's stupid. Yeah. It, it, it is. It, it's... I'm going to say this once and for all. I've had, I've had some fans. I even had a, a booking agent that I was working with going, uh, well, Kaz, I mean, um, when do you think you're going to take a booking? Are you dumb? <laughs> I'm missing my right. I'm missing my right leg from below mid thigh. So what's your excuse? Until I get a prosthetic or a bionic, as I refer to it. And my goal after that bionic is to get back to my normal quality of life. I mean, wrestling booking. Who the hell knows? I mean, I'm not going to say I'm retired because that's bullshit. Right. I mean, if I ever, if I don't ever walk into a ring again, whatever. I'm proud of what I accomplished in 13 years. You know. Hey, Cash, Cash, put it this way: you you still want to make money? You book the show. I will come up there and be your general manager for a couple of shows. So, so we can so we can make that money. There we go. But I mean, you know, and again, the only way now to see the only way to see the wrestling that we grew up on is YouTube. And I yeah. hate to say because I'm yeah, I'm not a person that espouses living in the past. But that a rib on me. No, this yeah. is no, that was a rib on me. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But, I mean, you know, if they're not going to... I, I can't watch more than three minutes of either company. And I'll tell you why. They don't present it the way... And so, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here like these goops that are on the Internet and bash it. I'm just going to change the channel. Right. I, I know earlier today I was on Facebook... I said, wow, look at this, OVW, Al Snow's League. Wow, I'm watching it, you know? Before you went to YouTube, we had a pay-per-view event. I said, wow, did you see one person? That's all I wanted to see. Right. Right. Now, I agree. I agree. You know, I, I watched it. It was It was very good. Um, they did a great job, you know, showing you, you know, the what you know what it takes to pull off a a show. But they they still they kind of gave you some insight as Chaz and I were talking to that to that veil. You know, who who who's pulling the strings? I don't want, that. I don't want to see. 
I don't. And that's the only thing that I, I would have to say negative about that. Um, I wish they, they would have spent less time, you know, behind the scenes. Give me, give me more on what the wrestlers do, these, these, these independent wrestlers do when they're not wrestling, you know. You know right. Some of them right. have other jobs. That's what I would have wanted to see. And that's my only complaint about that is, you know, having that. I mean, back in the day when they had the uh, back in the day when they had the vignettes, right? When they were bringing in a new talent, and they had the vignettes, they were corny as hell. But they showed what they wanted you to see as the behind the scenes. And, and nowadays, you got wrestlers and workers and people involved in the shows that are just—they're only too happy to expose everything that goes on behind the scenes. So stupid. Right. Right. And, and that's why, you know, I, he will, you know, he will go down in history as my, one of my all-time favorite heroes, and, and that is Dr. D. David Schultz. He is my hero. He was, he was protecting the business. He was defending the business. That's all he was doing. You know, some guy was sticking his nose where it didn't belong, and Schultz kind of put him in his place. Should have made him hurt. <laughs> Should have just knocked his head clean off, I think. Well, that's just Schultz me. is Amy's favorite because Amy's grandparents actually lived across the street from uh, Dave's brother. Dave's brother lived yeah, up in yeah, the you, Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, and, and somebody didn't believe it or something, or there was some. Oh, one of these little Amy bastards so. didn't believe it until Amy proved it to him. <laughs> That's the awesome. funny part about it is when she met Doc, um, she had described his brother without naming him. No. Right. I said, my grandparents lived across from a man named Bill who had a wife named Belinda and a son named Johnny who was the spitting image of you. He looked at me and said, you know my brother. Yeah, I did. You know, since I was big. <laughs> but you won't find any references to his brother in his book. No. Oh, is it? Um, it? There's a part in there when he talks about his brother. I think he called him William. See, I know him as Bill, but he called. I think it was Nate. He they had him as William, and he worked in uh, uh, either fixing cars, car mechanic, or something with cars. Wow. It's in his book. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know. So, uh, what else I you got, so, guys? So, as, as we're winding down. I have literally two more, two more kind of questions, points of discussion. Um, okay. Best on the microphone. Rat Boy, give me who's best on the microphone. Oh, the best on the microphone. It has to be no other than Stone Cold Steve Austin, because I always like when he talked. And everybody keep on saying, okay. what? 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 <laughs> That's so the Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Chaz, who you got? Best on the microphone. Nick Bachwinkle. He he was he was my my one and my one A, yeah. I, I think um Nick Bachwinkle was, was great on the microphone. Um and you know I and I, the, the, the more was what's that? So Rick Blair was great. Bachwinkle was better. 
Right, close and, and, third. and that's where I got like one and one. I got your third. My close third is superstar Billy Graham. Now I'm twirling the best on a microphone now. It's got to be no other than L.A. Knight. Uh, L.A. Knight's good. You know, for, for this generation, he's good. Yeah, yeah I for was, this I was generation. Around, I was kicking around all three of those names that Chaz just mentioned, and I really couldn't, you know, put my finger on one of the three. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, I just think the way Nick Bockwinkel came off, he, he never really raised his voice. He was very kind of soft-spoken, kind of, he was kind of talking down to us a little bit, but we really didn't know we were being talked down to because he was using these big words and showing you how smart he was. And just the way he just presented it was great. And then, you know, you had Rick Blair, you, you know, with his... In case you didn't have any idea, uh, when he referred to the fans as humanoids, that should have set you off. Yeah, true. Yeah, and yeah, and I didn't pick that up until, gosh, probably years, years later, for three or four years. I, I, that I You know, I never made that connection. But you're right. I mean, it's... It's just the subtle things, you know, that he did that, yeah, once you look back, you're like, wow, yeah. Like, you see kind of where he, you know, he got it from. And, that, you know, I just love it. And then, you know, superstar Billy Graham, you know, they were all, you know, Bachwinkle, Graham, even Stone Cold a little bit, you know, a little bit ahead of their time. You know, I, I think Stone Cold for, for his time was the edginess that, that – you know, that that company, you know, the company needed to push, you know, their their attitude that they were doing. Um, and, you know, you know, I, I just, going back to the old days, you know, the old school promos, you know, it was, it has to be even probably Bachwick even one player for me. And very, very close behind that, you know, would be superstar Billy Graham. Like you um, said, though, even Mick so Foley. One, one last kind of mankind. moment, and, you know, if anybody else has anything, um, you know, we could throw out there. Howard, that, um, that Mick Foley did as Mankind, those sucked you into that character. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yeah, I'm not saying there, there aren't other guys that are good. And, you know, of course, you know, Mick Foley is really good. Like Rap Boy said, L.A. Knight is good. Um the Rock, you know, The Rock was okay, um, but yeah, that you you were drawn into, you know, that character, you know, and just you know, Nick Foley's whole you know whole persona was, um, you know, interesting. And I I listened to um, um, Conrad Thompson and Tony Schiavone talking about. Um, the, the rise of, of Mick Foley and, you know, kind of moving up in the, in, in the companies, you know, especially when he got to WWF, um, he was um, used to flying coach because that's, that's what the, the, you know, the promotion would pay for, or in some cases that's all he could pay for. And he's like, you know, you have Mick Foley that's, you know, six foot something, 300 and some pounds stuffing himself. And I can relate stuffing yourself into that coach seat 
They're very uncomfortable. And he went, I can't remember who he talked to, but he asked them, you know, what's, what's this mean on my ticket? And they told him that you're, you're in first class, Mick. You're, you're sitting up at the front of the airplane. Like, and, and to Mick Fuller, that's when he realized, you know, he, he kind of made it in the business when he could, you know, get a first class ticket, you know, to an event. Or, you know, that somebody else was paying for, you know. Um, but, it, you know, and again, it shows you the the kind of, the, you know, dedication and respect that, you know, mixed, you know, still has, you know, for this business. You know, I, you know, the, it's definitely a dying breed. I think those guys are, you know, on their way out. Um, but last, last question that I'll throw out there, best – wrestling moment in history? I mean, a moment that happened um, in wrestling that kind of sticks with you. Matt, boy, I'll start with you. Oh, boy, put it this way. The best moment ever, okay? I tell you, it's the best moment. That's when, um, oh, man, what's your name? I stood underneath the ring at the, uh, the Royal Rumble. Oh, Titus O'Neil? Yes. Titus O'Neil? Yes. <laughs> so you're going with a blooper as your greatest moment. Blooper, and that was the greatest moment, uh, too, because they said that was the greatest moment of him sitting underneath the ring. For him. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chaz, what do, you, what do you got? Your favorite wrestling moment? The Iron Sheik defeating Bob Backlund. End of one era, the beginning of another. The the, 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 the that was one that was one of mine was you know the the uh, the birth of Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, and and um, you know that whole what they called rock and wrestling, the birth of all of that. Um, I actually I had I actually had a couple, actually two. Um, one I, happened when I was very, very young, um, and that was when um, Ole Anderson turned on Dusty Rhodes at the Omni and, and damn near started a riot, um, you know, in, yeah. in, in that building. Um, to me, that was like a, a turning point you know, in, in both of their careers, um, you know, you never, nobody saw it coming. You know, it, it, it took everybody really by complete surprise. And, um, my, the next best, I mean, it's a couple of years, fast forward a couple of years. Um, my, one of my, my all time favorite moments is the Roddy Piper, Piper's pit with, um, Jimmy Snooker when he, when he hit him yes. with the coconut. That to me, I actually will, got a coconut signed by Snooker. I even got a coconut signed by Snooker. Yeah, um. no, I, I just, you know, I and I remember Piper talking about that. It might have been with Stone Cold on his podcast. Um, you know, when when they were going over that, and Snooker told him, you know, hit me as hard as you can. We yes. Right, right. And Piper's like, are, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I want you to hit me as hard as you can with that coconut. And he yes, did. I, I'll I, never forget. I, 
I hated Piper for that. Hated him for that. Actually, I was in the ring with Bryce again. I tell you what, man. That, that was the best moment of my life. Just being in, in there with a Hall of Famer for five minutes. Back in the day. No, yeah, I... I, and I always liked Piper, you know. I I liked the Piper Snooker feud. I I liked the Piper Valentine feud. You know, everything Piper was involved in, for the most part, I I liked. Him, you know, and, and I got behind whether I liked him or, or or hated him as a fan. You know, he always made you feel like you know you got your money's worth out of out of the ticket that you bought. Yeah, you know what Amy just said yeah. for her was the last battle of Atlanta. With Tom oh. Rich and Buzz Sawyer. Buzz Sawyer, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. I mean, that's when a blow was, was a blow Yes, yes. You know, that, and, and again, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. There's, there's no definitive end, you know, uh, to a few. There's, there's no, like you said, there's no blow-off. There's no... Ending, it's just, well, okay, well, we've, we've had, you know, and, and again, a feud nowadays lasts from one pay-per-view to, to the next when feuds would go on, you know, for the entire year um, before, yeah. before it culminated. And well, now there's just had one major feud and two minor feuds going on, and that's how they right. book their entire feud. Right, you know, and and they laid out, you know, they could lay out almost an entire year's worth of of stuff, you know, based on that. Now it's and, and again, it, it goes back to the product. We, you know, we we want to see, you know, a cage match. You know, as soon as two guys get together, oh, let's put them in a cage. No, the cage match needed to be the, like the last result, last resort rather of a feud. This is because. We couldn't settle it any other way. We tried. We tried to have, you know, we, we we got these guys that got together in eight or ten matches, you know, on television. They, we just can't bring an end to it. So now we're going to put a, a steel cage around it, and and that's it. That's and that's and, and the original war games was set up that way to to end a feud. Listen, all right, you all right, all of us are going in, and and the winning team wins. Every one of Bob Backlund's feuds ended in a cage match. Because that's how feuds are supposed to end. Right. Vince Sr. booked his champion that if the feud was compelling, if it lasted more than one or two title defenses, like case in point, Backlund and Snuka, right. the third was the cage match. Yeah. It's a fact and that was it. Because there's no, there's no other way to end it. There's mm-hmm. no other. There's no. We have no other alternative. And I remember back in the day, Seth. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but and a lot of times they would build these these, these cage matches as unsanctioned. The WWE, the NWA, whatever, has has no, you know, no jurisdiction over this. We don't no, no responsibility, you know, for you know that to happen. You know, in, in the backland Snooker cage match, you know, Snooker went into business for himself, right? No. Snooker was supposed to climb to the top of the cage that night. He went into business for himself to win the title. In fact, oh, wow. you can hear 
listen to the tapes closely, I don't know if they've doctored them, but if you listen to the original tapes closely, you can hear Vince Senior screening it back when the roll out of the way. But Snooker went into business for himself. Oh, wow, that I didn't know. Wow. Wow, I didn't know that either. It shows you the prestige of the world title back then. That a challenger would be to break the code or go off script, if you want to use modern terminology, to win the title. Right. You see that now. You know what you see now? Guys mailing in their matches. And by mailing in, I'm just doing the problem to get paid. Right. I mean, when I had my show, when I ran that show in July, okay, good, bad, or otherwise, I could point at one or two matches where I can, where being in in the business, you could see people that were half-assed in their matches, mailing it in, so to speak. Right. As as a as a promoter. And as a booker, I got pissed because because I paid good money for these people, and they didn't deliver. And you see the other person in the match, and their ass off, trying to cover it, trying to carry the match, and it just didn't happen. And if you want to see it, the show's on Fight TV Plus. It's called The Night to Remember. Ten bucks on Fight TV Plus. Go buy it and take a look. And tell me if you could see what I saw. And like I said, there were people that pulled that nonsense that if I ever run another show, and that's a big if, I'll never book them again. Yeah, I'll never look them. I'll never book them again because they weren't worth it. I won't book that are yarders. I won't book guys that look like crap that have no concept of what it's like to be on a bigger stage. They will always be low-level indies, and that's all they're ever going to be because they don't have the mindset for it. And I don't care who it pisses off because guess what? I can walk away tomorrow, and I can care less. You know, Ratboy, I know you don't like him, but one thing – Cornette is right about. You don't like what I have to say? You and buy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, and, 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 and I, I like Cornette, but I can only, I can only take so much of him before I. Well, I take me too. Doses. Me too. I can take so much. Right. Of small doses, but, and 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 I'm good with it. But, the, but, but it does, right, I mean, it, it absolutely is. He is right in that it's got to make sense. Jesus Christ. Yes. When yeah, did at the we, very least, it has to make sense. When did we have to reinvent the wheel? Or, you know, uh, companies like Caillou that takes anybody. I mean, honestly, wrestling from the days of the carnivals has always been a good versus evil struggle in which evil looks like it has the upper hand and good triumphs over evil. It's right. not a good cult formula. Right. Good Good will always play by the rules. Evil's always going to break the rules and, and bend them and cheat and 
you know, in the end, they borrow and try to Period. I mean, it's just right. the way it is. Right. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's such, a, such an easy formula. And this is coming from a guy who's been a rule-breaking manager his entire career. I've had two matches in which I was a babyface. And I had to work harder as a fan favorite than I did as a heel. Mm. Show in Louisiana, I wasn't licensed by the state athletic commissioner. Was pretty much only so much I could do. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a surreal scene. I walked into New Orleans. Actually, uh, uh, was right outside of New Orleans and Morgan City, and these people loved me. Shows you the power of the internet. It was weird. I mean, I had people just cheering the hell out of me. I'm going, well, I'm doing the same nonsense that I did two weeks prior in Chicago and got booed out of the building. Oh, so you got booed out of the building, right? <laughs> I sold, I never sold merchandise in my career. I was selling merch like crazy that night. I sold some merchandise. It was just weird. I sold my merchandise and sold out. The only time we ever sold out of merchandise is when Amy and one of our other uh, fans decided to come up with uh, an anti-Moretti Agency shirt. So it had the Moretti Agency on the front with a big red X through it. And on the back, it had a, it had the phrase, Chaz, you suck on there. They sold out. <laughs> they sold out in one night. They sold 35 T-shirts in a night. Wow. Funny part was I produced those shirts. So I had fans walking up to me after the show going, wearing these shirts. I'm like, where'd you get those? Oh, we bought this. We're doing this because we hate you. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you morons, I'm getting paid off of this. Right? Yes, thank you. <laughs> my money's your money, babe. That, that, that's how it is, you know. I got your money. You're wearing my but, shirt. Oh, boy. It's the old school. I never tipped them off that who was actually behind it. I was. Right. It was my wife right. and our friend Eddie that were, they were the masterminds. I provided the funding to buy the right. shirts. Okay. They sold them. They set the price. Right. They made the profits. But the idea was, I'm not going to let these fans know that I'm in on it. Why? Right. Right. Of course not. It's bad for sales. But Absolutely. How many times have we gone to shows where at intermission you've got two guys that just beat the hell out of each other or about to beat the hell out of each other, standing next to each other taking pictures and selling merchandise? Right. Right. I don't begrudge the boys selling merchandise and, and supplementing their income, but Christ Almighty, protect the business. You're not going to yeah, de yeah, definitely you yeah, have to protect the business. I mean, protect the business. Jesus. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks, thanks for coming on tonight. I mean, we're going to start wrapping okay, up. Okay, can, can I say two things? Can I say two things before yeah. we go off the air? Yeah, guys. Let's graduate. Yeah. Let's, let's graduate. Let's having her daughter. She had it. Oh, okay. okay. 
kill because I just seen it, you know, a couple of days ago. She had her baby, and she would be returning soon. You know, just give her about a month or so. You might see her like the Royal Rumble for the first time. Okay. And plus, okay, I've been, while, you, while we were all talking, I've been looking at the whole thing of this year. Some people might be, uh, that you might like, someone you might not like, and we'll be talking about that next week. The whole thing okay. of 2024. 2024 Hall of Fame, okay. Yes. Because Bray Wyatt is already in it. Definitely. Okay. And I give give you one more, okay? No other than, no other than Cindy Lauper will be there for Hall of Fame. Okay. (laughs) All right, well, that's the topic for next week, bro. That's yeah, right. Yeah. We're going to stop it right here yeah. until next week. About who do you think should be in the Hall of Fame of 2024? Awesome. Chad, you got anything coming up, brother? Yeah. Rehab, rehab, and more rehab. Get my bionic legs. There we legs. go. <laughs> Looking forward to your bionic legs. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks, thanks for, you know, participating and, and – and keeping this show going. Um, okay. Don't forget to join okay. us. Um, Rap Boy, what, what, you guys going on tomorrow night? I know. We're going on our show on Monday night. On Monday nights. Okay. See you back yeah, there, on Monday night. What time there, on Monday? Just, uh, just look for us, you know, doing a week group because we well, got John always working and all. And, you know, we're trying to fit it in sometimes during a week. Okay, and what's the name of the show again? That's Top Rope Radio. Top Rope Radio. So look for it on social media, Top Rope Radio. Um, Then we'll be back on In the Room with Brady Hicks on Tuesday at 7.30. Um, Again, a new start time for that, trying to bump it up a little bit so we can kind of get to bed at a decent hour. And then we'll be right back here Thursday nights, this next Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Um, 8 to 10 with WCW Retro. Just continue to pray for Stro Maestro as he continues to <coughs> recover and get better. Um, and and, and plus Dave, and plus Dave, you know, Granny's husband, pray for yeah, him. Yeah, I was going to say, plus, yeah, Stro's getting better. He's participating in our um, in-the-room group chat that we have for the show, for show planning. Um, and then pray for Granny Holster's husband, Dave, who had a couple setbacks. With the surgery, yeah. um, so he, you know, you know, I, and, I, and again, I don't, I don't know how much she wants, really, you know, out there. I mean, she is on social media, so if you um, look her up, you know, you'll have all the updates there. And you know, I was trying to see if she, you know, call in on um, Thursday, next Thursday, and kind of give us an update. Um, still doing better, not as good as they they expect him to be at this point, but they're trying to think of a couple other options to kind of get removed the tumors and stuff around, I believe around his liver and now they're attached to some arteries. He was telling us, so they need another course of action. Um, with that, just continue to pray for, again, for Stro and for Dave, Granny Holster's um, husband. And of course, continue to pray for Chaz as he goes through his rehab um, and, and gets fitted for his bionic leg in the very near future. Okay, 
fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the amazing public as he continues his battle with cancer. Yes. 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 So yeah, pray for all of those. Um, it's just a really tough time right now for everybody. But again, everybody, thank you for for coming on, and we'll talk to you next week, next Thursday night at eight o'clock on WCW Retro. Everybody, have a great night. Thanks, guys. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Total Package Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. VOC Nation's own show maestro suffered a major medical and financial catastrophe this year. From the VOC Nation family, to all of you, please continue to pray for Stro Maestro for his continued recovery. You can also donate to his call at paypal.com slash Alpha Can you close that door when you go in? Yeah. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stroh Maestro, Cassie Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know later there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein with the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... Well, what's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? 
Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Please go after and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a loss. Did you have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. If you rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.